morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm so excited to welcome you, those of you who are joining us on our YouTube, on our Facebook, and those who are here in the sanctuary with us on this morning. Good morning and welcome to Excel Church. I am going to speak to you this week. I guess you probably never imagined that David and Goliath would bring forth so many messages, so many points that we can take away and learn and apply to our everyday life, but yet here we are in our third week of our sermon series entitled Five Smooth Stones. Somebody say five smooth stones. Throughout this series, we focused on the story of David and Goliath, and although it is a well-known story already, I know that this is a time that we've been able to spend unpacking and learning more. And today we land in part of the story that mentions these five smooth stones. We've talked about it, we've talked around it, we've talked leading up to it, and today is the day that we will be actually discussing the five smooth stones that, spoiler alert, killed Goliath. This is an important overarching concept that we must learn today. God wants to use what you have. Amen? If you're taking notes, tonight's or th this morning's sermon is all that you need. Somebody say all that you need. So as we look at this, we're going to see um, that although these are just five smooth stones, this was all that David needed. But if you're anything like me, it's kind of tempting sometimes, especially in this age of social media, where you can see what the other law firm is doing, and you can see what the other students are doing, and you can see what the other ministers are doing. It's kind of easy to take a look at what other people have around you. And sometimes, if you're not careful, as you take that assessment, it can make you feel a little bit inadequate about what you have. Amen? It's tempting to look at others' lives, whether in person, or on social media, and wish that you had what they had. I mean, let's just be realistic. You see them taking their third trip to Jamaica, and you haven't had your first trip. You see their business is booming, and it's overflowing, and you're having a time that's a little bit difficult at the moment. It's enticing to believe that if you had a better paying job, or a different zip code, or a bigger house, that you would finally be able to serve God in the ways that both you and he desire. This condition is not a unique one, and something that many of us understand all too well. I think that's good to know because I think if you think that you're the only one that's going through that or you're the only person who has experienced that, 
then maybe you don't realize just how common it is. But as we've been talking throughout this series and exposing some of the tactics of the enemy, we want to be aware that isolation and thinking that you're all alone, thinking that you're the only one that's going through this, Nick, thinking that you're the only one that's going through this evangelist, Sharon, is also a lie. This is a human condition that goes back hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, as we're going to see this morning in our passage. So turn with me, if you would, to the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. If you're using our house Bible, the blue Bible, that is going to be page 553. 553. Evangelist, do me one favor. Grab that mic there. I'm going to have you read that scripture so I don't have to flip around. 1 Corinthians. Doug, are you ready? She's going to use that mic. Thank you. Can we give Doug a big round of applause this morning? I'm so excited to see church growth. Church growth is when God is adding to the church and when he is using people for his glory. And I'm just excited to see somebody who just walked in on April 17th. God is already using him for his glory back there on our sound. All right, but you can sit. You can be seated, though. All right, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. Please read. You just got to flip it on. There you go. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh in all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of the wisdom, to, the, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, Amen. to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. The Bible makes it clear that God has given all of his people different gifts. The Holy Spirit helps us see and learn what these gifts are, Deacon, and how God is trying to use them in our lives and in the world as a whole. Now, how differently would this story have gone if David has spent his time envying those around him in the Israelite army, or even the physical strength of Goliath? Instead, somebody say instead, David 
was focused on what he had. I need you to catch that this morning. David was focused on what he had. In this case, he had five smooth stones and a slink. Turn to 1 Samuel 17, verses 32 through 51. I want us to dive into the passage together. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 51. If you are in the House Bible, that is page 151. Page 151 if you're in the House Bible. And it reads... David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the, his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he have defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat Male. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he, and he essayed to go over, to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him, and he took his staff and his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Next slide. There's a lot going on in this particular passage, but there are three specific things I want us to highlight in regard to 
the call upon David's life to fight Goliath. I hope you're taking notes this morning because I really truly believe that these are three specific things that will get you through the fight that you must endure as you overcome whatever the Goliath is that you have in your life. I believe as we seek to understand the call, the will, and the giftedness that God has given each and every one of us here today, we will be able to do that. So the first point for those of you joining us on Facebook, on YouTube, go ahead and put it for me. For those of you here in the sanctuary, go ahead and say it with me. Block out the white noise. At the beginning of this passage, Anna, David declares that he will indeed go and fight Goliath. But as soon as he says this, Bonnie, Saul responds with these words. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, doesn't that sound like a voice that might hold you back? And I mean, it's not that he was saying anything that was false. I mean, he was stating the facts, which people will oftentimes do for us. Recite the facts. You do know that you have a 530 credit score. You're not going to be able to buy a house. You do know that you're getting a little bit old and up there. You're not going to be able to find nobody down. Are these things that people say to us? Are these things that, although well-intentioned sometimes, are not necessary because it goes against what God has already said to you? God has already said one thing, but then... Almost immediately, when you share with somebody what you're believing God for, then they come up with the facts to speak against what you're believing God for. I'm going to let you in on a little secret me and Pastor have discovered a long time ago. Just don't tell nobody. Don't tell them. We wait until it's good and done until, because I don't want to hear it. And I know you mean well. You're just trying to make sure that I counted all the costs. You know, y'all get real spiritual. Telling me and informing me of all the obstacles, all the barriers in case I didn't see them. But does that matter if I've already heard from God? Now, sometimes I slip up and I tell somebody who I think is in faith with me that they can get with me and rejoice in advance with me, and then they still bring me those barriers. But then you just have to tell them, well, you know what? I'm still believing God. You don't have to be combative. You don't have to be argumentative. And you certainly don't have to explain it because oftentimes if it's God, you don't have an explanation. You have no earthly idea how God's going to do what he said he's going to do. But you just move forward as David did in faith by blocking out the white noise. So last week, you remember, we talked about those who will try to hold us back and look down upon us. And there are many in our lives that regardless of what we do, will try to keep us from where 
we need to go. This will often, often come in the form of doubt, similar to what 1 Timothy says as we referenced last week. Saul seemed to be looking down on David because of his youth. And we talked to the young people last week and we said it could be you because you're young, but it can also be any other um, area of your life that you feel vulnerable that the enemy continues to utilize to make you feel unworthy. So it doesn't have to be youth. It could be that you're older. It could be that you're, you're not slim. It could be that you're not uh, rich. It could be whatever it is that is a particular area in your life where you feel vulnerable because you feel that there should be more. There should be something else that you should have. That this is the area that he can come into and enter and exploit and try to plant these seeds of doubt. And so what is David supposed to do with all of this? You remember last week his brother doubted his capacities. Now we're talking about Saul. Now we have to really look at this in context for a minute because not first we said last week his brother doubted what he was able to do. And we said that that would be hurtful, someone in your own family not being able to see what God can do through you. But now we're talking about the king. Now that's got to be discouraging. The person that is asking somebody to step up and fight, and then you step up to the battle, and they're going, wait, not you. No, wait, I, I, wait, I, I, I need somebody to fight, but I wanted somebody who could win. You're a twerp. You're not going to be able to win. So imagine, just for a moment, think of the situations in your life where you are finally ready to step up to the plate, finally ready to go to bat, finally ready to defeat the Goliath in your life. And not only do those that are close to you, but maybe those that are in positions of authority say, no, not you. This is the type of doubt and opposition and white noise that David encountered. And I believe it's important for us as believers to be able to recognize that that is commonplace right before your victory. Let that sink in for a minute. Right before your victory. I always felt like the devil gets more desperate right before my breakthrough. When I'm closest to doing the thing that God wants to do in my life. When we're closest to that ultimate defeat of our enemy, that's when you will see the enemy will become the most desperate, try every tactic, use every person, use every diversion, use everything possible to try to stop you. And David was no exception and neither are we. But to David, catch this, it was all just white noise. It was a type of noise that is combined or, or produced by combining sounds of all different frequencies together, white noise. These are sounds of all different frequencies, but we have to begin to say, my frequency is tuned only to hear the voice of God. Amen. So y'all can do all that talking. It's never going to work. You're never going to make it. I remember, it could be something so simple. I was at Sam's Club, and I still remember this. This had to be about 15 years ago. Because when my husband and I first got married, I had a, like a little 
sports car, like the car that Leah drives, a little BMW. But only difference between my car and hers is I only had two doors. And so my lifestyle didn't match my car yet. This was before I had a chance to get a minivan. And I was um, at Sam's Club trying to get something. And you know how they ask the, the gentlemen, the stalkers, to help you bring something out to the car? And so when I got out to the car, I said, hold on, I'll bring my car around. And I brought my car around, I pumped the truck, and the first thing he said was, you're not gonna be able to fit all that in this car. <sighs> I hate for somebody to tell me what I'm not going to be able to do. How do you know what I'm gonna be able to do? Just say you don't think I can do it. Better yet, just don't say anything. So instead of getting frustrated, I said, that's okay, I'll do it. And as I shut the door and said, have a good day, with everything in my car, and pulled away, I knew that that was an opportunity for them to see. See, sometimes you gotta stick in the fight because somebody else needs to see, oh, it was possible. How many things are the people around you not even attempting to do? Because they don't think it's possible, and then they tell you it's not possible, and then if you don't know any better, you'd be like, oh, you're right, it's not possible. And then y'all all sitting there stuck. But if one of you would have the courage to be like, well, let's just give it a shot, and you make it through, then that will embolden them that they would be like, oh, well, wait a minute. I didn't know that would work. Let me try it. Let me get out of poverty. Let me get out of this situation. Let me get out of this bad relationship. Let me get out of whatever it is that they're in that they don't think that they can come out when they see you make it. They know they can as well. In a spiritual sense, there will be many voices around you begging for airtime in your life. And if you aren't careful, you can get bogged down and overwhelmed by them. This is why it is so important that we learn to discern God's voice from others. I think as a new Christian, this was one of my first points of order to figure out how to hear God's voice. I got so tired of being misled and getting confused because so many people were telling me different things and everybody had an opinion. It became my first order of business to figure out, now wait a minute, how do I just hear God for myself? I'm tired of getting pushed around and led in this direction and then turned around and going just before I can figure out where I'm supposed to go, wasting a lot of time, wasting a lot of effort, wasting a lot of energy. I've realized quite quickly, it's good to learn how to hear from God for yourself. And that way, when you begin to hear other voices, you can filter them out and say, well, that's not what the Lord said. Read 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. David's life and story, it is clear from this verse that we're reading that he was able to shake off the words from Saul and others to stay focused on what God was inviting him into. If you're in the house Bible, Anna, could you turn to the scripture for me? 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. Amen. If you're in the house Bible, go to page 151. And it says, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. 
and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Can I have the next slide? David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head, and also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took this staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. Now, David is so focused on the task at hand. Do you see what just happened there? As I just said, it gives other people confidence he was so focused Saul was like well well go ahead with your bad self then do you understand that when you know who you are in God you will inspire and give other people around you confidence David's bravado comes from his past experience as a shepherd in the wilderness and he has seen God deliver him time and time again. He saw God deliver him from wild beasts. And he said, I have no doubt that this same God will do it again in this present situation. I need each and every one of you listening this morning to be willing to remember the situations that God has delivered you from. Think about it for a moment. When I do that, it gets a little bit emotional. We used to be in the church, and in the old church, they would sing this song, and they say, when you think back over your life, and you think things over, and when they say that, I'm gone. You know, I'm, I'm running out, I'm in the spirit, because when I think it over, when I really think about the situations that I've been in, where I know it had to have been God, no other way, no other explanation, you all, you've all heard the bar story, but you probably never heard the house story. <laughs> and I don't have time to tell it to you today. But there's been situation after situation after situation in my life, and I believe in your life as well, where God has delivered you and has brought you through. And so what David did in this situation is he said, instead of looking at what other people have and what I don't have, because I've got to be honest with you, I can only imagine when he tried to put that helmet and that armor on him, that was so wise of David to be like, I can't go with this. This, 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 this isn't for me. Do you know how many of us have stumbled because we're trying to wear somebody else's armor? Do you know how many of us have failed because we don't go as our authentic self? 
We're trying to show up like the person who was our predecessor showed up, and so they told us that that's how we need to show up. But then when we put on that armor, it doesn't fit. It's too heavy, and we trying to go into battle, and we're not even going as our authentic self. I know I had to overcome that. There aren't a whole lot of preachers that show up in flip-flops and kimonos on Sunday. Amen? But I had to understand a long time ago, you've got to be your authentic self. You've got to go as who God called you to be. You would get up there and fail miserably trying to imitate someone else, do what you saw someone else do. God said, I will anoint you. I will give you the power. I will give you the words. I will give you the ability. But I need you to be you. And that's not just for me. That's for you. For whatever area of your, of your life where you're starting to feel inadequate. For whatever that area of is in your particular circumstance where you feel like you've got to do it the way you saw someone else do it. Maybe it's your sibling and your older sibling went before you and they did it a certain way. Or maybe it's your parents and your parents did it a certain way. I need you to understand this morning what, what David is showing us is that you've got to remember where you've been and you've got to remember who brought you through. If you're taking notes, the second point is remember where you've been. There have been so many stories in the Bible of individuals being prepared for what was in their future by their present circumstance and suffering. We could take Joseph, for example, in Genesis. He was falsely imprisoned in a foreign land, and yet he ended up in the Egyptian palace. God was clearly on the move throughout Joseph's story, whether others could see it or not. Evangelists, get ready to read Genesis 50, 19 through 20. God was clearly on the move throughout Joseph's story. In fact, the story of Joseph concludes with powerful words that reveal God's work in his life and story. Thank you, Anna. Unto them, fear not, for I am, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Page 28 of your house Bible, and I need you, if you are taking notes, to write this down because this is so encouraging. This word is, is true. I can, I'm a living witness that even when people mean it for your evil, see that, whew, that is so revelational because when you begin to understand that all things work together for your good a lot of times when we're going through life and we have setbacks and people do some things to us and we get upset because we can't believe that they did that take a step back for a second and say well wait a second the way things are set up is that I know y'all meant this for my evil I know you were trying to harm me I know you were trying to embarrass me. I know you were trying to hurt me. 
I know you were trying to expose me, but you know what? <laughs> the way my blessings are set up, my God is going to still turn this around and use it for my good. So thank you for trying, but you will never succeed. I have the victory in Christ Jesus. Do you understand a different way you make it through life when you get to see the Bible through this perspective and you begin to see your life through this lens? See, even though David had all of the odds against him, I can't even imagine what was going through this man's mind when he leaned over in the brook and grabbed some stones to go fight a giant? I mean, I would at least have been looking for something sharp, right? Like a spear type of instrument, some stones, smooth stones. But what did we say last week? I believe this with everything in me. I think God delights in taking what's ordinary, what's regular, what's not special or spectacular or big or mighty or whatever it is that in our natural minds we think victory is supposed to look like. I think he actually gets a big kick out of taking something that we just think and it's absolutely no way this could make it and then when it makes it it brings him glory because they're like oh well yep that would have to be God amen amen and so as God was with Joseph he was also with David and he is also with us and even in the seasons when you cannot feel it there's an ad lib in this one song I love, the Waymaker song. And that ad lib, even though you can't see it, he's working. Even when you don't see it in your life, I really need you to catch that this morning. He is working. Even when it looks like nothing is happening and you feel like you're not making any progress, God is working behind the scenes. Just like me here this morning, I get to stand here this morning and do the easy part. Because somebody came and turned the fans on for me, somebody's working the sound, somebody else is moving the slides. They're all behind the scenes. The people who are watching on YouTube, they don't see any of that. God is working behind the scenes. You get to do the easy part of believing him and just walking out the victory. But he's already lining it all up for you. He's already putting things into position. He's already giving you favor. He's already aligning. I was, I was working with my um, makeup artist, and she was telling me some things this morning, and she was just, you know, the spirit of the Lord had came upon her, and she was just so emotional. And what she was sharing with me, it just blew my mind because I'm thinking that, okay, I'm going to, try to look presentable for the Lord, and so I'm going to fix my makeup. But God had a whole other thing that he was doing in her life through that arrangement. You just don't understand what God is doing. The things that you, the people that you work with, the people who you see in your schools, the people who you see in your jobs, the people who you see in your family, in the grocery store, God is working through us. 
in ways that you don't even know. I was so grateful that she took the time to share it with me this morning, how God was using me for his glory and how I had blessed her in ways I didn't realize I had blessed her. But whether they ever come back and tell you or not, know that you are touching people's lives. It'd be nice if they all did, but he let us know with the 10 lepers, it doesn't work like that, right? How many came back? One. For every one person that has said thank you to you, you know you've blessed at least nine others. So I just need you to know this morning that I'm, it may look bleak, it may look motionless, it may look like nothing's happened, like no progress is being made, but what you don't understand, and that's why I get real worried when people say overnight success, because it's not overnight. It's just a lot of stuff that you didn't see happening for years and decades that led up to what looked like instant fame. The same is happening in your life. I declare it this morning. Do you receive it? Amen. That God is working things behind the scenes. This is not in my notes, so I know this is the Holy Spirit. God is working things out for you behind the scenes. That whatever it is that you're dealing with today, this morning, God is going to get the glory. All right. I pray you receive that. Read Deuteronomy, and I skipped, I think we did it already. Did we do Genesis 50? Go to Deuteronomy 8.2. Deuteronomy 8.2. If you're in the House Bible, that's page 97. Thank you for adjusting with us. We had to do some quick adjustings uh, before service starts, so I can't see the scriptures as I usually can. So thank you all. Thank you, evangelists, for stepping in. Read Deuteronomy 8.2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness mm. to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Remembering where we have been is meant to give us strength and confidence. Remembering where we have been is meant to give us confidence in what we have to accomplish now. And seeing God work in and through our past gives us the strength and confidence for what we're going to face today. And as we stand in that confidence, we could say like David did in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So what David held in his hands is not just the five smooth stones, but what he held in his hands and his heart was the collective memory of all that God had done. Before he picked up those stones in the sling, he already carried the memories of deliverance and triumph in his young life. So you can see the story that when Saul tries to weigh David down with new armor and a sword, David would not have it. Because my last point for today, for those of you taking notes, those of you watching us online, say it with me, those of you that are here. He had all that he needed. Anna, let's go to 1 Samuel 17, 38, and 40 again. 
Sorry about that, the way those slides are broken up, you have to go backwards sometimes. So we read it already, we're just going backwards to, got it? Uh, and then evangelist, read it for me again. First uh, Samuel 17, 38 through 40. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. I know that we began to recognize that, as I said a little bit earlier in the scriptures, and as I was sharing with you, um, sometimes we try to fit in the mold that we believe others um, will try to place us in. And David did for a moment try to fit into this mold of a proper soldier, but it didn't take him long to figure out that he already had what he needed. I think our takeaway this morning is to be able to reevaluate some areas in our lives where we're trying to fit into a mold, where we're trying to do things the way everyone else does it because we think that that's the method to success. And God is challenging us this morning. Is it that you need all of that in order to be successful? Do you need 1,000 followers? Do you need more money? Do you need better credit? Do you need to be more attractive? Or do you just need to trust that I've given you everything that is necessary to do what I've called you to do? I think it's the latter. And I think that as we really reflect and go through this week and look at things with a new lens, and look at things with a determination to see that there's already amongst us, there's already somewhere around us everything that we need, that we can grab hold of and use. And I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've had people around me and I've tried to motivate them and encourage them and they can only see what they don't have. They can only see everything that's going wrong or everything that's not lining up the way that they want it to line up, not recognizing that that alone is hindering them from moving forward. But if I could convince you this morning, those that are watching, those that are here in the sanctuary, that what you have need of and I'm going to be skipping a couple slides, Anna, because I'm just flowing with the Holy Spirit and I'm closing in the time that I have for this message. So you can skip past the next two slides. But what we have need of, God has already provided. Do you believe that this morning? Do you really believe that this morning? And so I want you to start believing that you have all that you need. There are a lot of us here today who feel trapped in an endless loop of white noise. Too many voices, too many options, 
too many experiences of shame, regret, and defeat for us to confidently move ahead in all that God has for us. And if that sounds like you today, I encourage you to do all you can to shut out those other noises, those other voices, and simply focus on God. Try to have, like David did, a singular focused mind on the power and the majesty of God and try to become a person after the very heart of God. Others of you have simply forgotten all God has done in your past to get you where you are today. And if that's you, then please take some time, sit down, write out all the miracles God has already worked on your behalf because your testimony is your superpower. And don't you ever forget that. And lastly, all of us need to stop looking everywhere at everyone else and focus on what God has given us to work with. You have gifts that are individual and unique to you, and maybe it's time to pick them up and head into the victory that God has for you. You already have what you need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have met us this morning, for how you've come and you've showed us a new way to view the things that we're dealing with, a new perspective. Father, you've reminded us of what your word has to say, and you've showed us how this word applies to our life. So now I'm asking, Lord, that as we prepare to end this service this morning, God, that you would allow this word to take root in our hearts so that we can not just be hearers of your word, God, but that we would be doers also and that our lives would be transformed and changed because we heard your word on this morning. These things we ask in your holy and sacred name. Amen.